My name is Timothy Eldred. I'm a husband, father, writer, speaker, seeker, coffee snob, pipe smoker, bourbon drinker, and a person of faith. I'm also a friendly disruptor of the status quo who's traveled the world to help people discover their identity. My mission is to end the pain of aloneness and to help people live with authenticity in an artificial world. But I can't do that alone. So I'm glad you're listening. Welcome. This is Square Peg, Round Hole. Well, I've been wearing new shoes for the last couple of days. How's that for a grabber, right? Doesn't sound like an exciting way to begin a podcast episode, does it? No, I agree. But I think if you will just hang with me for a bit, you're going to see how it applies to your life. It might be one of the most profound ideas, really, that I've had in a while. Now, I have been also decreasing the dosage of my medication uh, that's used to control my rare neuralgia. Now, it's an anticonvulsant. Um, it's really used to treat seizures. It's also used on occasion to treat bipolar disorder. And so just to be clear, I don't have seizures and I'm not bipolar, which makes it really interesting um, as to why it works. And so believe it or not, those two thoughts, shoes and medication, they're related. More related than I even considered until the last few days. And so I've been kicking around both ideas in my head a bit. And I think their connection has a life lesson worth considering that we can um, really apply to our lives, have an impact on the world, our whole world, honestly. It's like, you know, cosmic changer. So the shoe thing. The shoe thing started a couple months ago. Uh, my youngest son started telling me about barefoot shoes. Now, I wasn't unfamiliar with the idea of barefoot shoes. He actually had a pair of them that he wore in high school years ago when he ran cross country. And they were those like goofy looking Vibram, you know, five fingered ones. Maybe you've seen them. They look, kind of look like um, gloves for your feet. So I actually tried his on one time and um, about had an anxiety attack just trying to get my toes in each of those little stinking toe holes. So I don't remember if they were comfortable, but I'm almost positive I never put them on more than once. Just too much work. Now, fast forward a few weeks ago when he started once again explaining to me why barefoot shoes were so much better than like standard shoes and how typical running shoes, athletic shoes, basically all shoes, are just causing all kinds of foot problems and the decline of the human race. I'm kidding. But I listened to him because... He was emphatic about his new discovery, and he had some peer-reviewed research he wanted to show me to back up his crazy idea, but he explained how the foot was designed to work and how the muscles of the feet couldn't develop and why people, especially older people, right, have foot problems later in life. You see that a lot. And it's because we don't use our feet properly. It's the bone, the tendons, the muscles. They just become weak. And that leads to like all kinds of other problems from bunions to balance as we age. So I was intrigued, but I wasn't intrigued enough to like drop 150 bucks and start wearing barefoot shoes, at least and not till a couple days ago anyway. 
Now, in case you're wondering, this really is going somewhere, I promise. I mean, you're thinking, what, seriously, we're talking about you know, like shoes and footwear and medication. Now, we're going to get there. So he warned me that if I started wearing these shoes, um, Dad, your feet are going to hurt. And let's just say, like, bottom line, the kid was right. I walked a couple of miles in them yesterday, and it wasn't a pleasant experience for my feet. My feet were sore. I mean, I felt every rock, every stone and pebble on the street. I was half tempted as I walked, like, to get off the road and walk in people's yards, to walk in the grass where it was soft. But I sucked it up, stayed on the street. So how was this helpful exactly? I mean, what was the point of abandoning my really comfortable, expensive tennis shoes for these? Well, I know the benefit. I know that cramming my feet into soft, comfy shoes keep my feet from functioning properly. I've read that. I mean, I've read that a lot. And so I've been looking at his research. And I know from the research that he sent me. And so funny enough, I was reading a completely unrelated book on Monday, like on spiritual growth and development and just completely had nothing to do with feet, but they referenced his research. And so I thought, okay, dang, I'm going to give these a try. I've got a pair of them and we're going to break them out. And so I did. But what I found is that it seems that in the 1970s, this little foot company, shoe company named Nike, maybe you've heard of them, decided to create a shoe that would improve um, running. It's going to provide runners with a better experience, especially like long distance runners, which I am not. And so while you might initially think like softer, like running shoes, softer makes sense. Foot research actually proves it doesn't after all. No, I'm serious. You can look it up for yourself. I'm not an expert. I'm not trying to be an expert, but I'm interested. So I've been reading, but not only was there nothing wrong with the human foot, I mean, our feet are actually fully designed, fully capable of running long distances without the need for, for like extra padding, extra cushioning. So you might think this like sounds nuts. And like I said, I'm not an expert, but I've, I've read enough to understand the premise of the argument. So just think about, think about why you buy shoes. It's, it's the same way you buy almost all your clothes and apparel. It's not just like a matter of function. It's a matter of style, Right. Shoe companies, are just, they're fully aware of our ego and the need to look good. So they design shoes based around what, like, how we feel. Because we know, like they know, we like to dress to impress, which is from the top of our head to the bottoms of our feet. And even while our shoes might be doing long-term damage to our feet, we really don't care because they're cool, they're trendy, they're hot, they're sexy. I mean, have you looked at the styles lately? Most of them aren't sexy or trendy. They're just, they're butt ugly. And so, sorry, ladies, but especially women's shoes. Like, I walk through the shoe store with my wife, and I'm like, seriously, that is just a hideous-looking shoe. And not only is it hideous-looking, hell, it looks painful as can be. So, I mean, if you're an honest woman, you know, like, those stilettos are not comfortable to wear, but we wear them, right? They make them, we buy them. We buy them anyway, even though they're not comfortable. So why? 
Well, don't you think shoe companies actually take the psychology of our buying trends into consideration when marketing those shoes? Well, of course they do. I'm not saying that they're trying to destroy civilization with footwear. I'm just stating the reality of their bottom line, which is profits. And they play upon our psychological buying habits. Okay, I'm done with that rant for a minute. Anyway. So I told you it might feel like a stretch, but I promise this is not a stretch. So now you're wondering, like, how am I going to make the leap from medication to footwear, right? Okay, honestly, it's just not a bridge too far at all. You're just about to experience the craziness of my mind and how it works. So hang on tight. Now, if you're a regular square peg round hole listener, you've heard me talk about um, some of my health challenges. I don't talk about them too much in depth anymore because I'm not looking for sympathy sympathy when I share my struggles. But they sure do make great content for this podcast because there are so many lessons I'm learning from them about life's challenges, and I can't help to share them with you because I think they're beneficial. Now, titrating down from my medication is one of them. But let me back up. I've been on meds now for about, about 18 months. And um, it hasn't been a picnic. And you might be wondering as you hear the intro, like talking about like anticonvulsants, why in the world do you take anticonvulsants when you don't have a disease that causes seizures or like a bipolar disorder? Well, I take them because it seems to be the only stinking drug that works with my problem. And as I've shared before, I have a very rare neuralgia and like one in 2 million people have it. So being so rare, there just really aren't a lot of like answers of how you fix it, what causes it. And there certainly does not demand enough to create a medication for people like me. But along the way, doctors have discovered that there are a couple drugs, the same family of drug, but there's a couple drugs that will stop my pain and it's pain. So when I began taking the, the medication, um, the best way to describe that is hell. And I mean that in the full sense of the word. The confusion, the depression, the fogginess, the tears, lots of tears were, I mean, in some ways, just as debilitating as the pain they were relieving. But there was no real options, and we wanted to kind of avoid, like, craniotomy. So we just kept increasing the dose to basically, I guess, rewire my brain. And it then tells certain, like, nerves not to feel. They function, but they don't They don't feel. But after a few weeks, I, I told Cindy during another afternoon of tears that I can't, I can't do this anymore. I think I would rather live in excruciating pain than swallow another one of those pills. I think actually what I said is I'd rather eat a bullet than swallow another one of those pills because it was bad. It was just, it was it was bad. So we called my neurologist and asked, like, hey, can we please, can we please try the other drug? So we began titrating down off of one and titrating up on the other. And um, I've been on that pill ever since. And um, that's not a picnic either. But the side effects um, were less. And along the way, they still help alleviate, eliminate, eventually eradicate the pain I was suffering every day. But there were still other side effects. And um, we were discovering them. And 
more than anything, I guess the biggest the biggest issue is I could not stand the way I felt. Couldn't stand the way it was making me feel. See, I'm a I'm a I'm a creator. I'm a communicator. So my mind doesn't shut down. My mind's always working. I'm always thinking. And when it comes to like how I work and dream and develop and create ways to help people, I need to be on. I need to be sharp. I need to be me. I just need to be me, but I wasn't me anymore. Because that drug had altered my brain to the point where I was numb, I guess. Um, I guess I'd say I was lost. I was lost in the fog, a new fog, different fog, but it just wasn't, it wasn't Tim. So now my rare disorder, it does cause excruciating pain, like I said, but it's not going to kill me. Actually, it's it's possible for it to become dormant or go into kind of a remission. And if so, awesome. But they say if it comes back, apparently it comes back with a vengeance. But there's <laughs> there's only one way to know. And I got to the point a couple of months ago where I just said, okay, I haven't had pain in a while. It's probably from the medication, but what if it is in remission? And I wanted to find out. So there's only one way to do that you stop taking your meds. And now, I don't know if you've ever been on a mind-altering medication. If you have, then you probably understand how they work. They do change the chemistry and the electricity of your brain. So if there were going to be side effects when you titrate it up to like the full dose um, that you could take, well, obviously there's going to be side effects when you and your doctor... Don't do it yourself and your doctor decide to titrate down. And that's been the case for me. Um, I'm basically, I guess, some ways an experimental patient when it comes time to the type of meds that I take. And so knowing what the symptoms of the side effects um, is pretty much unknown. You know, if you're bipolar or you've got um, seizures or epileptic, when you read like what the side effects of titrating are down, they say your side effects are going to come back. Your, your seizures are going to come back. Your, your episodes are going to come back. Well, I didn't have any of those, so I don't know exactly what was going to take place until just a few weeks ago anyway. Now I know. So the confusion, the fogginess, the emotions, the tears, lots of tears, they came back. Couldn't feel my hands for a while. That was interesting. Let me give you an illustration just of what it does to me. I went home um, early from work one day and I was going to get in the pool. And uh, Cindy was already in the pool. And so I was an emotional mess. It's been a long day just trying to focus and concentrate and get something done. And as I'm standing on the steps of the pool, sobbing, like just sobbing, I put one leg over the pool and I just, I, I was, I froze. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get in the pool. She said, well, get in the pool. I said, I don't know how to get in the pool. I mean, I, I stood there for a long time trying to figure out how to put the other foot in the pool and just get in the pool. By the time I did, I just sat in the pool and cried. And so that's how we measure good days. You didn't have as many tears today. That's a good day for you. So those have subsided. We're like on day 70 now. I'm trying to decide when we go down more. And uh, I hope eventually we will, and I think we will soon. But as I'm continuing to titrate down, 
there's another question we have to ask. Like, if I'm not in full remission, what level of pain am I willing to live with in order to feel like Tim again? Or even am I willing to tolerate some level, any level of pain at all? Is it worth it? Well, I think it is. We've decided that it is. So far, so good. No pain. (laughs) Just other crap. And I I think it's like wearing barefoot shoes. Ah, you did not think I would get back to shoes, did you? You're thinking you can't tie these together. I did. Listen, in order to strengthen my feet, I'm going to have to experience some level of discomfort, right? Some level of pain. I'm going to have to feel some pain while improving and strengthening the function and health of my feet. They go hand in hand. So how does this all apply to the premise of the podcast of living with authenticity in an artificial world? Well, let's see if I can wrap it up and put a bow on it for us. In the 1970s, shoe companies set out to solve a perceived problem that actually was not a problem that needed to be solved. They created a problem where one didn't exist. Now, the same is true when it comes to living with authenticity in an artificial world. We cover up what we perceive as problems in our lives with footwear, per se, that is really more cosmetic than it is functional. In other words, we wear identities that do little more than make us look good, even while they might be doing real damage to our lives. Because those little bumps that you feel as you wander through life, like walking on the street, the road of life, that can be painful, like they're served. I mean, their job is to strengthen you. And you can't and you shouldn't just constantly avoid them because you're just doing damage to yourself. More damage than if you would tolerate them and go through them and work through them. Because when you care more about how people make you feel than being your honest, true, authentic self, you know what you do? You just you cram yourself into like a miserable mold like a shoe. And then you, you pad your life with ways to cushion like a shoe. The uncomfortableness of how others make you feel for short-term relief while you're just doing long-term damage to your emotional health. And eventually, you know what? You don't feel like yourself anymore. You're just not you. And honestly, I'd rather feel a little pain in my feet by going barefoot in life, knowing it serves to make me stronger. And like my medication, I'd also rather tolerate some facial pain every day for my neuralgia in order to feel more like the real me then mask the pain and feel like I'm no longer truly alive anymore. So please listen. You are not a problem to be fixed. You're not. I don't care what you perceive at this moment. There's nothing wrong with you. The world might want to make you feel like you're not enough. You're not good enough. You know, you've got to be somebody different. There's nothing wrong with you, my friend. So stop, just stop giving into the pressure of being somebody you're not. Stop letting others cram you or crowd you into their mold of what's right in order to fit into the crowd. I mean, my mom used to tell me, like, if people don't like you for who you are, that's their problem. The best you can do today, I'm talking to you, the best you can do today is the best you can do today. And being your best and doing your best today begins by being yourself and not taking the shape of like some, who someone else wants you to be. Will you experience 
pain as you journey through life barefoot, so to speak. Probably. Probably. But transitions that lead to transformation, I mean, they always include some level of discomfort. The good news is, and it is really good news, you are in control. You're in complete control of the process. So take it slow. I mean, I can't quit my medication cold turkey and I can't go run a marathon in barefoot shoes today. Take it slow. Titrate down from needing the approval of others over time. And as you do, walk your path slowly, one step, one small step at a time. Will you experience some social withdrawal symptoms? Yeah, you're going to. But let me give you another bit of good news. They won't last forever. And it is worth the temporary discomfort that you may experience to be your true self, to just be. As always, I encourage you to live your humanity with humility and authenticity in this artificial world. Don't, don't compromise your identity. And don't apologize for being a square peg in a round hole. Now, before you close out of the app that you're using, please be kind, leave a review, preferably five stars. And I'd really appreciate it if you would share this podcast on social media. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.